Welcome to this week's episode of Midlife AF, where we're going to be talking about a few juicy subjects. We'll see where we get to. My intention is for us to talk about fear, the fear of making a commitment. My intention is for us to talk about abundance and scarcity and which kind of leads into the same thing actually and then I also wanted to talk about the sheer bloody monotony of stuff as we start to head back into the world of work and blah 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 and what we can do to try and keep ourselves in a place where we're not feeling activated. All right, my darlings, we'll see how we get to. I might need to split it up into a couple of potties, but we'll go over to me. If you're a woman in midlife whose intuition is telling you that giving booze the elbow might be the next right move, then Midlife AF is the podcast for you. Join counsellor, psychotherapist, this naked mind and grey area drinking alcohol coach Emma Gilmore for a weekly natter about parenting quirky teens, menopause, relationships and navigating this thing called midlife alcohol free. If you're feeling that life could be so much more that you're sick and tired of doing all the things for everyone else, If your intuition is waving her arms manically at you, saying it could all be so much easier if we didn't have to keep drinking, come with me. Together we'll find our groove without booze. I lovingly acknowledge the Boonarung people of the Kulon Nation as the custodians of Kurt Barak. I share my admiration for the Aboriginal culture. I witness the connection that they have for each other and the land and their community. As I swim in the waters and walk on the land, I feel the power of this place. I'm grateful for the Aboriginal people's amazing custodianship, the power, beauty and the healing potential of this place. I wish to pay special respects to the elders of the Boonarong people, Their wisdom, guidance and support are exceptional and felt well beyond the Aboriginal community. I honour that this is Aboriginal land and that it has never been ceded. I am committed to listening to the Aboriginal community and learning how I can be an active ally in their journey to justice. Okay, so I'm going to have to keep a bit of an eye on the time on this one because I've got a lot to say. We've been having so many great conversations in my membership group, Be The Lighthouse, um, about what comes up for us in the new year. And I know I've done quite a few webinars in the past on perfectionism and judgment and how that keeps us stuck. And I had one beautiful client who I've been working with on and off for two years, probably. Um which again, you know, is something we really need to talk to because it's not always a straight line, this journey. And sometimes, particularly if we have, we have an inner belief that 
we are the problem and we need fixing. And this is why uh, one of my first posts of the year on the social in the, on the socials um, was about what if you're not broken? How about we start there? And I'm really going to go against the grain uh, this year of what I'm seeing in social media and what is triggering me slightly. And I know I always know when something triggers me. We know that when something triggers us, right, that it's more about us than the thing. And I know for me it's been a very, very slow. And I always feel really bad when I say this because people are like, oh, my God, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, of course I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm just a middle-aged neurodivergent human looking after a bunch of neurodivergent babies who are 15 and 13 going through their shit us going through our shit and that means that quite a lot of time I'm a little bit tired and you know it's so interesting for me because I am literally the opposite and I'm I'm sick of kind of pretending when I was drinking god I was holding that shit together right like I would run I think 40s is the year for running yeah for your 40s I think for me having after I had the babies moved out to Australia um, you know, I was drinking, but I was like, I don't think I was drinking excessively, but then I like my whole friendship group drunk excessively. <laughs> but I was fit as a fucking fiddle. And I could get up in the morning and go for a run. I'd run 10K twice a week, 15 to 20 on a on a Sunday. Didn't love that so much. I was more of a 10, 15K girl. That was quite, but I, you know, I literally could run 10K without even batting an eyelid of a morning and then go to work. <laughs> Or when I've been drinking the night before, although a lot of the time I was only drinking at the weekend, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you know, that special long weekend that we make when we drinkers. But it's been, and I've, I'm, I'm really keen to sort of, I, I feel that so many of the New Year's resolutions and this whole like, new year, new me, ooh, it all comes from the same idea that we're broken, that we need fixing. And I've been posting a lot about this this week. It's like, as part of the reason that this whole lie that we make up about when you stop drinking, I, it's the best thing I ever did, but it's not being a wonder drug. You know, it's not, it's not made me thinner, fitter. It's actually not given me more time. It's not made me more productive. It's done so much more than that. <laughs> it's, 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 it's introduced me to who I actually am as a human and it's forced me to rest it's allowed me to be there for my kids um really there like present like really present it's allowed me to do the work to understand that I put myself away when I was very young because I th thought that I was wrong which is the story of so many drinkers, neurodiverse or not neurodiverse, complex PTSD or, you know, just what people consider themselves to be highly sensitive people. You know, we all usually have a similar story that we didn't sort of fit in and so we adjusted ourselves so we could. And, you know, all the learnings that I have around trauma and everything is like, you know, it's what happens to us in the early years of our life that kind of sets the scene for how our nervous system is going to be 
you know, not including, you know, and, and that's not even including all the sort of intergenerational stuff and our genes and, our, you know, everything. <laughs> but coming into this all thinking that we need to be more, more productive, skinnier, fitter, have more time. And, and, and I'm not going to lie, that's exactly why I went into it. I went into it because I was like, well, it's two reasons. First of all, it was like, it was always, it's always been about losing weight for me. Even though when I look back at pictures of me now, like in my 40s, I'm like, dear God, what was I talking about? <laughs> so for me, it's been a journey as well into self-acceptance. I've learned about intuitive eating. I've learned... I've not been on a diet for three years. I have now I'm sort of trying to learn gentle nutrition. I've really changed my attitude to my body. Um, I found out I was neurodivergent. I've managed to get my kids diagnosed. I've got myself diagnosed. I found out that I was ADHD. Now I found out I'm autistic and I'm sinking into the real me. And I think one of the things I want to change a lot in how I market and how I talk about this work is this isn't you know this isn't about we stop drinking and then we get on to the next thing or we take a break from drinking and we get on to the next thing I was talking to a client about it client that I've been working with for quite a while and she was sort of asking me so how does this work in terms of you know the sort of work work we do for becoming alcohol free and I was like well it's not really about that it's not really about how does this work for becoming alcohol free and then we're on to the next thing. How do we do this? How do we make it happen? It's it, to me, the work that we do when becoming and maintaining an alcohol free existence is the work that we do to be in the world. <laughs> the two aren't separate to me it's not like we get we do the alcohol free bit and then we move on it's that to be happily alcohol free we have to do work on ourselves so that because I think once you start to uncover the potential of you without booze and without numbing and without running away and hiding and escaping. That's where your growth comes from. And you know, I remember when my kid, my kid started her school, her his new school, sorry. And I remember the teachers saying to us, you know, so many kids who come here haven't been able to get on with like regular schools. It's an alternative school. And they were like, but kids love to learn when they get back into it and it starts to become their choice and they start to be in a, they want to learn, they want to come to the classes. It's not that they don't want to learn. And I think that's the same with us as human beings. We want to grow, we want to evolve, we want to change, we want to move forward, you know? Okay, my apologies, I got completely interrupted there by my kids coming um, into the house. So I apologize if I've completely forgotten what I was saying. So we're talking about, I hope, fear, abundance. We were talking about 
the idea that um, taking a break from alcohol, become being alcohol free is, you know, something that you do and then you move on to the next thing. And the idea is that we do it because it's going to be, we're going to lose weight. We're going to be more productive. We're going to be, and I was writing about this on the, on the socials and just saying how it's just not been my reality. In fact, you know, there's so much that hasn't gone that way. And in fact, I'm really glad that that's the case. And it's unpicking some of those characteristics that we took on as children in order to fit into the world. You know, this whole idea that we have to be productive. I mean, half the time when I speak to clients, the productivity thing is the reason why people drink. Like there's so many shoulds, I have to do this, I mustn't forget to do that. I need to do this and unless it's done, I cannot not do this. Otherwise the world will fall apart. It will all descend into chaos. If I let my house be untidy, if I let my garden be untidy, if I don't send my, do pet lunches for my kids, if my kids aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing and there's all this pressure and stress um, to do all this kind of impossible stuff, that we think everybody else is doing and we wonder why the fuck we can't do it. <laughs> I was laughing with my husband um, a couple of weeks ago, walking, going for a walk, and we were saying, it's so funny, isn't it, and reflecting back to when our kids were little and before we knew they were autistic and ADHD, which we had absolutely no idea, yeah, all the way through um, primary school. And um, we were saying, we just used to think, how can everybody else do this? Why do you go around to their house? How can they just they just go to school? <laughs> and people will be like, well, you know, you just, you know, oh my goodness, I'm like, my kids, they're up and they're out. And and you know, I think one of the things to really know if you're a person who doesn't have kids who are struggling, please know that you showing off about how fucking amazing your kids are at doing stuff like tidying and getting up and going to school. It's very triggering for us all to stick. <laughs> and I'm kidding, of course, you shouldn't um damn your light, down your dampen your light in order to to um to make the rest of us feel better because we, you know, in, in reality, the only reason we're being triggered is because we're making meaning of the fact that other people can do something and we can't, and we're judging ourselves because of that. And equally, we're judging ourselves by society's standards. And therein lies the fucking problem, right? The society standard, you know, Gabor Mate wrote his book, The Myth of Normal. And that's one of the reasons I started studying under Gabor. And can I just say for my, yeah, I handed in 25 case studies for my compassionate inquiry training this week. And that, dear God, that's been a, that has been such a uh, hard slog. I've got loads more to do before I finally submit my, all my final bits. There's little tests and all sorts of forms and little tests, there's eight tests I need to do and a whole load of other stuff um, but that doesn't have to be until the 19th of February so so I'm celebrating that I am almost there and I'm trying to promise myself that I will not do because I really really want to do somatic experiencing with Peter Levine I really really want to do for internal family systems but I really 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 need a break from education because I've been doing education since oh my god since 2019 when I started my counselling and psychotherapy postgrad, um, and I just forget each time. I'm like, oh, I really want to learn about that. It's like the shiny eyed, and then I end up burnt out for Christmas, which is 
Um, okay, so we were talking about the entwinedness and we were talking about, and most of the things that I'm really going to change in my approach to how I talk about this work, because it is different. Like for me, for example, I took a year, probably a good year of try of taking breaks and not being happy with my success um, and really hating every minute of them. And then I found that this naked mind, I did the pause which is just, you know, being aware of your drinking, which is what I, um, I've got my awareness worksheets, which are on, which should be in the links of the show notes here. And they're also in my, um, on my uh, bio, on my um, LinkedIn profile. And sorry, my cat is scratching right by the microphone. I hope that's not too <laughs> awful. <laughs> um, keeping it real. Otherwise we don't do these things, you see. Um, but yeah, my commitment to you is not to do any more education other than like little short courses with people or something like that. I have to do professional development, but honestly, I'm a sucker for education because we love to learn and we love to grow. And that takes me back to what we were talking about. We were talking about growth, weren't we? We were talking about how, you know, it's the learning. It's like, it's learning that you know, we can ask for what we want, that we are the fucking golden goose, that the whole world collapsed without us. But we go into not drinking, thinking that we'll come out of 30 days and, you know, we'll be jumping out of bed and we'll be running down. And don't get me wrong, probably half the people are. But I tell you something for nothing, if it's middle-aged neurodivergent women, which is a lot of the people who are drinking, um, you're probably not. Because... You're probably so exhausted because we use alcohol to push through, right? That was another thing I was talking to another one of my clients uh, today when we were having a giggle because I said, oh, I wasn't going to post this thing on social media about me being really pissed off that I had to clean the fridge because I, I hate, I hate with a passion housework. Like I don't mind doing it, you know, like, oh, let's work on a particular area and focus on that, hyper-focus on that. But just the the drudgery of it which I know is a lot of the reason why a lot of women drink. And then suddenly when you when you sort of become, I think, it, yeah, when, when you should start losing your estrogen, go into the perimenopause years, 40 to 50, um, that nurturing hormone is the only thing that kept you going doing all this shit because it's, it's life force sucking, isn't it? And I know that's speaking from such a privileged position because, of course, you know, not everybody, most, you know, a lot of people all over the world would be working really long hours and trying to, you know, all this stuff. Saying that, I work really long hours, <laughs> but that's my own issue. Um, but anything over and above that now as a perimenopausal woman, it's just, it's just too much. Um, and so what happens when a lot of perimenopausal women stop drinking is they're suddenly exhausted. And they're suddenly not using alcohol to push through their nervous system. And so all of that pushing through of nervous system, which we do for years and years and years and years, suddenly our body goes, oh, thank God we don't have to do this anymore. We can actually start to power down and rest and repair from all of the pushing through our nervous system, ignoring our needs. And again, this comes from, 
you know, for years and years of women, and I, can't, I don't know a single woman who's not been on a diet, suppressed her, her uh, food need. So the body thinks it's going into starvation mode. It thinks it's in famine. So then it starts to hold on to food. So then we start to, you know, when our menopause and all our hormones come in, of perimenopause, I'm still in perimenopause, unfortunately. Bring on the menopause. Um, <laughs> I feel like I've been talking about this stuff for years now. When's it coming? All my friends are like, oh, yeah, yeah I'm in the middle. <laughs> um, yeah, okay, so we're, we were talking about fear. We were talking about the idea that what we think alcohol, taking a break from alcohol is going to be like and what it actually is like. And we were talking about... Um, talking about this concept of an alcohol-free life and what that means and for me it's actually it's a life yeah so it's not an alcohol-free life as such I call it midlife AF because it's midlife as fuck and me I'd like alcohol-free and yes I am very very fucking proud that I'm alcohol-free I'm really really glad that I don't have that shit in my life anymore and I cannot believe that I am I'm so happy that I got myself out of that and I look around at you know my husband and my friend and my friends who are still in that and I just think oh that's that must be really tough uh so just so it does and, and this is the beauty and this is why I get so passionate about this work that I do because I believe that the way that I teach and the way that I've learned from the my mentors and the things that I've pulled together from all those places are about creating a life that's not about missing out or feeling sorry for yourself because you don't drink it's about creating a lovely life you love without drinking and choosing not to drink as opposed to having not to drink you know, it's a choice. Like I, I make a choice. And to me, I would never want to drink. Like I can't even imagine putting that stuff in my mouth now, whereas I was an absolute, I was just, I love booze so much. It was like my favorite thing. Um, And look, of course it helps that I work in it. And that's probably one of the reason why I decided to work in it is it really sort of like hammers it in. But I do really remember the time it clicked for me and it clicks for people, you know, all different times I see it. And also different things click at different times. And we all get into this perfectionist thing of, you know, oh, I've had a data point, I've had a slip up. Well, that's, it's all fucked, let's go back to the beginning. Or then I've done my 30 days and I don't feel amazing and I'm not like sort of jumping up. Oh, well, let's go, don't worry about it. Let's not go, it's not about that. This is about to me so much more than that. It's about coming home to self, creating a life inside of you, in your body, and I don't mean that from a like nutritional, physical. No, all those things are important, but they're not as important as having a safe place at home in your heart, in your body. A safe place for you to land and to nurture all those younger parts of you that you left behind and to tell them it's okay, you know, when they're scared, when they don't want to do something, when it's frightening, when they don't know how to, and they want to do something else. They want to have a drink, they want to escape, they want to numb. And learning that skill that we learn as a person who doesn't drink, and in my groups, is all about learning through grounding, through centering, through being with ourselves, through learning how to feel into emotions, learning how to start to feel, especially for us neurodivergence, we have alexthemia and really, really struggle with um, interceptive awareness. 
you know, it's about learning how to notice things in our body. You know, people have had trauma as well. It's like, where, how can we safely go into our bodies? How do we do that gently? How do we ease in and out of it like a DJ, you know, on a DJ set? And, and that's what we teach. That's what we, the work we do in my groups. And we do it every single week. And when I'm working with people on a one-to-one basis, we do it at the start of every session. We go to ourselves. We go to our bodies. And it's okay if you're not in your body. And that it's like nothing's bad, nothing's wrong. It's okay. It's all okay. Yeah. If you're disassociated, I am all the time. Yeah. That's how I, that's my protective mechanism. It keeps me going, keeps me functioning when things are crazy around me or things are fucked. Allows me to keep going. So it's just, look, they've always got reason. Everything we do has got a reason, especially the, the you know, the, the, the parts of us that want to drink. They're very clever. Our brain's very clever. Um, so I've probably gone a bit too long. I'll do with the last thing I wanted to talk about slightly, and I will talk about this again because it's really important. Is this idea of um, abundance versus scarcity? And for me, this is the fundamental part of everything, and it's rediscovering that essence of self. You know, the, the the part of us that was born into this world to be all that we the potential. You know, this one a magnificent, incredible life. And by that, I don't mean big. I just mean real truthful, genuine, here, authentic, in service, in growth, in community, in in reality. And you know, people ask me to explain well, what do I mean by it? And and it is in every single teaching. It's in Buddhism, it's in um the Christian religions, it's in the um, Arabic religions, it's in it's it, it's in Greek mythology, it's in Roman um, philosophy and mythology. It's it's it, it's everything, and this is this idea that we are love, and when we come from a place of love which to me, and I was thinking of the words, it's like openness, it's like leaning in, it's like surrendering, it's like accepting. All words that I would have shunned as a younger person because they sound passive, but the opposite is true. They're not passive. They're actually very, very active. And the opposite of that, which is what I and the teachers that I've learned from and created my own uh, practice with is the scarcity, which to me is what the AA approach is like, and again, no offense to any AA, there's so much involved in that, that is so good. But for me, that idea that you're there's something wrong with you and that you have a problem and that, you know, the devil's doing push-ups outside your door, that doesn't work for me. Um, and where I've I've known quite a few people now who've been, you know, people who don't drink, but who've done it through AA and who wish that they could drink at all times. They're in resistance. They're in, you know, they're in deprivation, but they're just very strong people. A lot of them, like most of us humans or women or women assigned at birth, female assigned at birth, neurodivergent humans have had some kind of eating disorder. So we're very good at control. We can put things away for years. 
We can do that. We can be very good at control. We can be in with resistance for years. And we think it's working for us. It's not working for us because we always go back to the thing. You always go back to the thing when you're in resistance. At some point, it will get too much. The willpower will be too too hard. It's too hard because willpower uses energy. It uses physical energy. They've done research on it. It shows there's an energy that happens and energy gets depleted. And so the way that I teach and the way that I work with humans is that we, we are about leaning in. We are about accepting. We are about being with ourselves in the discomfort. And we've talked about this before, that we know that as children, because we weren't always picked up when we needed to be, because we were left to cry, because and for no one's fault, right? This is the whole thing. Let, let go of fault. Fault is just irrelevant, right? We are where we are. No one's to blame. It's just civilization. It's just life. It's how it is. But we learned, we did we never learned to hold ourselves in our distress. We never learned that the pain was going to go away. We never learned that someone was coming. So as a baby, we thought, and a small child, we think no one's ever coming. Pain's never going to end. And our job as grown-ass fucking humans, whose actual nature is nurturing is to parent ourselves through that, is to learn how to do this shit called life, yeah? And to go back and take all those precious little souls that we left along the way, we rejected, and bring them in and give them a bloody good cuddle. And yes, they'll make mistakes because they're only little and they're learning. You know, I always use the chessboard analogy, like the chess computer. He doesn't like beat himself up for making a mistake. He goes back, he puts that into the database and he moves forward. The only problem we have in this journey is if you don't look at what the what the problem is. Uh, so that's another thing that's so, you know, so for me, it's like no judgment, no shame, no blame. I don't believe that a data point is a minus. I don't believe you go back to the beginning. That's bullshit. If you count days, you just keep counting the days. <laughs> Why would you go back to the beginning? That's perfectionist nonsense. I'm not going to be able to do proper fear and, and perfectionism in this episode. I think I'm going to have to do another one. It's a really important one, though, because it often stops us starting. And that's a problem. And then when we have a little slip up or a data point, it pushes us like, well, then we give up. And then we, once you've gone off the horse, it's like, really hard to get back on again because it takes that sort of a certain amount of energy to start and so it's almost like you see you have a data point examine it what went wrong what happened what because all you're doing is you're learning like the chess machine right like a baby learning to walk you're learning you know I wasn't able to cope with growth mindsets what our kids learned at school I wasn't able to cope with this I it was it was easier for me to drink than to manage this or I didn't feel like I had the resources to do this. So great. Why are we being sad about that? That's brilliant information. Now we can go and plan for the next time. We can work out what was it, you know? Was it that you, when your partner raised his voice, you were feeling frightened? What what was it? You know, that was my experience. And, I, you know, I was coming from, you know, when my partner raised his voice, husband, you know, I, I was responding to him in the body of a sort of eight-year-old child. That's really useful information. And then when that happens again, instead of expecting stuff from him, he's on his own journey and he needs to sort his own shit out, I 
can say to my little eight-year-old child, hey, 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 I get why you're really frightened, but it's okay, you're not eight. We're here in this room now and I'm here with you. And we're going to be okay. We're going to do this together. Yeah, it's going to be fine. You're going to be all right. And it's fine that you feel scared. I'm here. I'm not going to make you bad. I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. I'm going to love you. And we're going to do this together. And this is the journey. Oh, my God, how fucking fantastic is that? It just blows my mind. Anyway, I'll leave you there. Lots and lots of love. You know, all my usual stuff's in the notes. Um, I highly recommend if you're not on the journey yet, do the visualization, the North Star visualization. It's free. Um, that's where you start to imagine what your life would be like when you finish your break or whatever is, is your um, your goal. Um, and then also do the awareness worksheets. Wherever you are, the awareness worksheets are the bee's knees. That's what I did before I took my final break from booze when I decided to do a year. And we'll talk about fear next time. We'll definitely talk about fear. She says that and I'll probably forget, but I hope we'll talk about fear because there's so many things that are keeping us stuck about fear that are to do with perfectionism. And we just we, we really need to get out of this all or nothing thinking and just and say, look, the, the, if the goal is awareness, we can't fuck up. The only way we can fuck up is if we're ignoring what's going on. So we go, yeah, we're going to go at these days. Yeah, we're going to turn the switch off. But at the same time, if we have a data point, we're not going to go, oh, back to the beginning. Let's, you know, work sackcloth and ashes and whip ourselves, you know. I can't remember what the name of that thing is that you do. Uh, that, not that you do, but that like, you know, purge or, I don't know what it's called. Um I'm thinking of that, and now I'm going to do one of those weird ones, right? Like, there's a book, and the guy starts off, and he's, like, whipping himself with lashes. Lashes. Okay, I'm going to stop there. <laughs> but there's so many things around fear. So let's make fear the next one. Emma, remember. Have a brilliant week, my darlings. It's beautiful to be with you. Please, please, please send me messages. Give me a review. If you can go onto Apple or Spotify and say how much you love the potty. If you love it, that would be amazing. If you don't, just move on. Um, and just come and let me know what you'd like us to talk about. You know, send me an email, emma at hoperisingcoaching.com. Uh, yeah, that's it. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Midlife AF with Emma Gilmore. If you enjoyed it, please share on Instagram for your friends and tag me at Hope Rising Coaching. If you want to help me grow the podcast, please review the episodes for me on Apple Podcasts. That really helps. If you would like to work further with me, please go to my website, www.hoperisingcoaching.com for my free and paid programs or email me at emma at hoperisingcoaching.com. Sending a massive cuddle to you and yours from me and mine. And remember to keep choosing you.